Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nurse in Transition. I am your host, Kiana Brathwaite. So welcome, welcome. Um, So great to have you here. Thanks for listening. Uh, This episode, I have to follow up. Um, I'm not going to do it in this episode because I did say in the last episode that I was going to look for the um, email from the association organization that is working on the initiative for... um, nurse reciprocity across state lines. I have not had an opportunity to do that, but hang in there. It's coming. Um, This week, I wanted to talk about something that's kind of near and dear to me. It kind of follows really well from last week's episode about uh, why I left the, the bedside. And it's when a nurse becomes a patient. Um, This I don't know. I have mixed feelings about this topic, right? So um, not only is it when you, the nurse, become the patient, but when your family member becomes a patient, right? Uh, it takes on a whole new life of its own sometimes. So um, I'll give you a, a scenario. Actually, I, I have the nickname, the pit bull. Uh, all my friends in nursing school started it and <laughs> my husband picked it up and has run with it ever since then. And it's pretty accurate. I, I am a lot better. I relate to my pit bull self a lot better now than I did probably 15, 16 years ago, which is good because there should be personal growth as we get older, right? We shouldn't get stuck in certain stages um, as long as we're aware and we're we're working and we're learning and we're growing. But um, so yeah, I have I have I have the the pit bull in me, and when I see that things are not happening as they should with my family. Um, the proverbial gate is lifted and the pit bull is let free. So, um, a couple years back, my mother-in-law had a stroke and I remember that Saturday morning scared the crap out of me. Uh, it made me realize some things. So get a call. My father-in-law on Saturday is, is, is not like himself. Um, I decided to just hop, throw on some clothes, uh, scrubs, of course. And that morning I drove like a bat out of hell. I think I ran every light and stop sign and dared a cop to stop me. Cause I would have told them my mother-in-law is having a stroke or some kind of health system situation. You're going to have to follow me to their house. And then we can have a conversation as I'm doing an assessment. That's really where I was. And when I walked in the door, I mentioned this before, I have a habit of assessing people um, as soon as I come in contact with them and something was off and I couldn't tell what it was. She was talking. Her eyes were fine. She was able to move her hands, um, her her legs. Um, She just really seemed off. And so um, my husband's aunt was over checking her blood pressure and her blood sugar and her blood pressure was higher than usual because she is on blood pressure meds, which I was like, okay. And, um, her blood sugar was fine. So I said to her, cause I had told my husband on the way over, I drove, I said, here's the plan. We're going to take her to the hospital and we're going to the ER. I wasn't going to the one that was closed cause I figured it would be really crazy. I knew there was one that I had worked in that was, uh, well, not the ER, but the hospital and their ER was a little less overrun depending on the day of the week. And I was aware of that. So I was like, that's where we're going. They were definitely, they're stroke certified. Um, and I did not want to put her in an ambulance and have her taken to a hospital that I didn't want her taken to. 
Um, and I made that choice. So get there. I was like, okay, so you're going to the hospital. We're going to figure out what's going on. And I was like, um, I'm going to go upstairs and lay your clothes out, finish your cup of tea. And cause they're, they're West Indian, but they're, they're British, um, super British. And I was like, finish, you know, cause you may not be able to eat. So go ahead and finish your cup of tea. And as, as all this is going, of course, I'm assessing her respirations and just like touching her and, you know, making sure she's okay and not really letting her know what I was doing. Cause I didn't want to freak everybody else out. My husband knew what the plan was. I go upstairs, put her clothes out. And I, um, and dad's telling me, you know, she went to the bathroom and she was fine. And then she came back and she didn't know. And she, you know, he was telling me all of what he saw. And I was like, all right. So she gets up, she walks up the steps. I'm watching her walk up. I'm like, are you okay? Does somebody need to come up and help you get dressed? And she's like, no, she's good. She gets dressed, comes downstairs. She's tired. She's like, I'm so tired. I was like, all right, well, you can sleep in the car. Let's go to the car. And, um, at that point, my husband drove to the hospital. And he kind of ensued with what I was doing, but, you know, abide by the rules a little bit more. We get there and she's got word finding difficulties. And I was just like, oh, OK, this is what this is, because at first I thought it was a TIA. Um, and I was like, but it, it seemed a little transient, but I did not want to keep her at home. And then, you know, it get worse or something. So I was like, all right. So when we get to that ER and we're checking her in. She has word finding difficulties. She's confused. I was like, mm, okay, this is this is good that we're here and that it's being seen. And they take her back immediately, and you know they start the workup, and um, eventually, you know, they're trying to figure out what's going on. And she she has a couple of episodes here and there. She's being assessed in the ER, but nothing too bad. Ends up having a CAT scan. They gave her because she's claustrophobic. They gave her Ativan IV. Her blood pressure drops. And then she has a full-blown stroke. Like, we, oh, it was, I have no words, right? So, um, anyway, she, they do the rapid response, and I'm standing there remembering my critical care days when the team comes down, and I'm shooing my family out, telling them to get to the side, and I'm watching what's going on, and I'm listening, and I'm just like, I can't believe that this is what this feels like. And while I understand everything that's going on and why they're doing, and, you know, even when they're talking and joking amongst themselves like that, it didn't really bother me, but I could see how family members not knowing that process and, and why we need to interact with each other in such a stressful time to release and all that. Um, I could see how that would bother them. And the kids are there and, you know, they're crying. I'm like, we're in the right place. You know, they they know what they're doing. Um, I'm glad, you know, this is, this is where we need it to happen. And so they go take her for a CAT scan after this happens. And I, uh, had to find a nice little corner, you know, to, um, to release because this didn't happen, you know, like, um, it, it made me realize just how integral she is. I already knew it's not like you don't know. But the thought of losing her at that time was just, I don't, none of us were ready for it. We, we wouldn't have, that would have, yeah. I don't think any of us would have bounced back from that um, too well. We would have, but it, it would have taken a while. So needless to say, 
the hospital did a great job. She stayed in the ICU. She gets discharged. She comes home. I make sure that she has all the care that her insurance provides. Uh, the nurses come out, check her. Probably about four weeks later, she has a little bit of residual. And this was, um, this was uh, probably because I had my surgery in January. So this was three, almost four months after my surgery. So I was healed from that and then dealing with this. And um, yeah, by May, Mother's Day, you know, she was coming around and we we decided we were going to hang out and stay with them for a couple of weeks just to make sure everything was okay. Um, but it was just different, you know, being, being on the other side. And I've been on the other side as a patient myself when I was in the ER and, and people not introducing themselves and let me know what was going on and labeling things right and all of that. But um, the one that really hit me hard was, you know, my, my family member going through a catastrophic event like that and being grateful that I had the knowledge and expertise and the experience um, and not being able to really imagine any of what my family was going through because they had never seen, you know, such a serious situation. Um, but it's it just, even thinking about it now, it still kind of throws me off. I'm still a little shaken. And this is, you know, three years later, well, almost three years later. Um, so just, you know, being on that other side, um, and as as I have been a patient, both in doctor's offices and, like I said, ERs, I was admitted a few times, and recognizing when I had the kids, just knowing great nurses. Like, I had a nurse um, when I had our daughter in 2008, and I had just, I had two C-sections. So I had come from the OR delivery room down and was being, she, and the nurse was pregnant. And I just, I could not fathom. So I was trying to breastfeed, deal with my C-section. It was, it was horrendous. Um, I had a Foley in and I, as soon as they inserted the Foley, I was like, I have a UTI. <laughs> I, I just knew it. And I was saying to them, how soon can this come out? Because I know I have a urinary tract infection. And they were like, well, you can't know that. I'm saying I, I know my body well enough to know, you know, when these things happen. Like that, that whole fight, um, it just amazes me a lot of times in healthcare where you have to, you, you literally have to pit bull your way through some things, right? Like you're telling people, no, I, I, and, and there are hypochondriacs out there. There's extremes in everything. But when it came to my patients, I always made sure I treated them with a clean slate. So whatever they said to me, I had one patient in, in the uh, IR and she was like, she was in pain and everybody's like, oh, she's pain seeking. And I'm, I, and I'm, I'm thinking through this, right? Cause she has a G tube and she's got all these other things. She's paralyzed from the waist down, young woman in her thirties, vibrant. And I'm like, none of us have ever had this experience, right? None of us will probably prayerfully ever have the experience. And for her to say she's in pain, maybe that's how she says she's anxious. And maybe that's what calms her down. I was like, dude, I, I have no problem with giving you meds. You're not driving. I know you're not driving. Um, and it was the same thing when I had my daughter. It was like, I was told that she needed formula because she was five pounds, 14 ounces when she was born. I was like, just let me breastfeed her. You know, let me, well, you need to do that. And this is what the, and the doctor ordered. And it was just like, 
let me allow my body to do what comes natural to it. Give me that space. Don't don't make me anxious around something because the C-section wasn't planned. Um, there was issues with my delivery. I was induced. Like there, there was just so much angst around that process. And then to have this nurse who's pregnant treat me like that, you know, it's just like, I think you need to go into another career. <laughs> you know, and, and we all have bad days, right? But this wasn't, you. I could tell the difference between bad days. I'm, I have been in healthcare long enough to be like, yeah, no, you are just a, eh, 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 and I'm going to just leave it at that. This is not the field for you. I don't even know why you're in this field. And so, you know, that I can handle when there's an affront on myself. Um, I've actually gotten a lot better at dealing with affronts on me. Um, but the ones where, and, and don't get me wrong. Cause when my mother-in-law had her stroke and the doctor was just like, I don't know what's going on. And, but we're going to try to figure it out. I appreciated that more than somebody coming. Oh, well, we know what it is. And we're just going to diagnose her and we're going to send her home. Um, the fact that he admitted to being human and trying to figure it out. I had way more respect for him and his team than I've had for some of my colleagues that were doctors that just tried to shove some diagnosis down somebody's throat for the sake of them feeling like they they solved the problem. Um, and seeing her as a human being and what we were going through as a family. And in healthcare, you know, to me, that's what's important as, as a nurse, as a person, is that you see me and you treat me, even if you have not ever been sick, you treat the person who is sick with the respect and dignity that they deserve because they are in one of the most vulnerable positions that they have ever been in. And depending on what kind of person they are determines how they handle that vulnerability. And it could be lashing out. It could be crying. It could be a number of things. It, you could, they could run the whole gambit, right? And it's our responsibility, our, our position to care for and nurture this person and to not take it personal. You know, unless they say something that's derogatory or they put their hands on you, yes, that you draw the, if you see it coming, draw the line before it even gets there. But when it's really because that's how they're dealing with their loss of control, right? That's how they cope with it. Then sometimes we just need to see the human humanity in it and be like, oh, that's what it is. I'm not going to take this personal what I won't allow you to do is treat me like a doormat, but at the same time, I'm not going to lash out or treat you without dignity or without respect. I may even call it out. Like, listen, I, I understand that you're scared. I understand whatever. I, I've, I've not experienced it to your level. I have experienced it in other places in my life. And I'm here to help get you from this vulnerable point to wellness, health, or whatever the case may be, or back to your baseline or to your optimum, right? Because not everybody's going to go back to 100% depending on what happened. So, you know, just really thinking through that process of what it was like to be a patient, because once we hit certain age points, we become the patient, we know what our expectations are. Um, trying to put yourself in the shoes of, of, of and an empathize with Put your biases aside, put your whatever aside, put your date, put your crap that you walk through the door with aside and really wipe a clean slate for yourself and that patient and see them for what's going on right then and there um, will allow you to connect with them in a way that will help them heal. And if you're not 
you know, at the bedside anymore because I'm, I'm sure there's a varied amount of listeners in different transitions in their career. Um, if you're not at the bedside anymore, still being able to put yourself in the shoes of the person, no matter how what industry you're in, how you transitioned to remembering what it was like to be a patient or remembering what you saw people experience when they were patients, because that level of vulnerability actually carries over to all aspects of life. I remember when uh, we were purchasing our house, it was just so much that we didn't know, so much we relied on our realtor for, so many questions that we had. And it was, it was a really scary process because you're signing your life over, right? You're telling, you're telling a bank that for 30 years, you're going to be their indentured servant. You know, um, you're going to work to pay off this mortgage. And so just remembering that level of vulnerability um, and how scared we were going through that process, buying a car, like it, even when you buy a new car, there's, there could be problems because they put them together and run them these tests in these controlled environments. And then you get it out in the world and it's not controlled and anything can happen. Right. So there's having children. OMG. I remember when I had my daughter and they sent me home. I was like, where's the manual? You get training for everything else in life. Why not for parenting? <laughs> That's the one thing you need training for extensive. Um, you know, and and being a, a daughter who's transitioning into being in the middle of aging parents and rearing children, there's no manual for that. Um, and even with business, you know, they, they tell you, oh, write a business plan. And, and yes, have a plan, have an idea, be flexible. Because what you think is going to happen, how you think is going to look, more than likely it's not. Um you're not in a controlled environment. There are so many people and variables that you cannot account for. So just being mindful of all that as, as is really where I'm coming from as far as, you know, how when you become, when you are the patient or you become in that vulnerable state, there's different levels of vulnerability. And one of those is being a patient. So I, uh, I hope that was helpful. I hope that was, you know, able to put some perspective that when when we are doing things and people don't understand um, and you're not always able to explain right then and there what's going on because you need to do what you know how to do. Um, but taking the time to talk to them later and explain to them, especially the ones that look like deers and headlights, because I remember my, my husband and my father-in-law boy who I looked over at them and I was like, yeah, I've seen that look you know, and, and I understand that look. And, um, I probably partially had that look, you know, that expression on my face as well. And even though I knew, so just taking the time later to, to stop and, and say, I recognize that this was a bit much for you, um, will make all the difference in how people feel about their health and how people decide to move forward with going to seek help, you know, when they're not well. And so just keep that in mind. Um, as always, have a, I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you sharing your time with me. Um, I hope that you're, you've gotten a lot from it. If questions, comments, whatever the case may be, two ways to get in contact with me. Um, the website, Resource and Healthcare, does have a newsletter to sign up for. And then it has my number and my email address. But my email address 
is info at kilo bravo cat alpha lima sam.com and i look forward to spending uh some more time with you soon have a wonderful rest of your day wherever you are in your day and enjoy the rest of your week whether you're beginning ending in the middle or somewhere in between that um and i will see you or hear you when i come back take care